Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another edition of the Red Carpet to Trailer Trash Podcast. My name is Ian Collins, and joining me as always is the incomparable Mr. Connor Rock. How are you doing this week, Connor? Yo, I'm, I'm doing same old, same old, but pretty good. It's, it's Flat Fuck Friday. Have you seen that yet? No, what? It's this stupid video, but it's a it's kind of a chill bop. And it's just a bunch of alligators, and it's a song. And apparently John Oliver talked about it, so it got kind of popular. But Kate just made me watch it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this is all fucking nonsense. But you should look up Fat Fuck Friday. Even though it is currently Wednesday. It's Tuesday. I know what day it is. How is how's it going for you? What's up? Uh, it's going fine. Nothing super exciting. I uh, I used the the credit I got from DoorDash never delivering my food on uh, Saturday to order Chick Fil A nuggets yesterday, so that was pretty cool. Really like those. Um, trying to think if there's anything else really super interesting going on on my on my <laughs> side. Oh, did you and Kate do anything special for Valentine's Day? Uh. Sorta, not really. I mean, we didn't go anywhere. We, uh, my parents bought us a grill. It's like a housewarming present, and that came. Oh, that's really nice of them. Yeah, it was, it's dope. Uh, that came. I don't know, like on Friday or whatever. So I put that together on Sunday, and we just grilled some steaks and veggies and stuff. Ooh. So, yeah, we used the grill. Did you do like uh, peppers and onions, or did you do maybe street corn? Neither. Um, we just did zucchini, mushroom. Like a squash medley sort of I, type deal. I love roasted zucchini and squash. Yeah, it's, I think, it's good stuff. I think it's one of the most underrated vegetable uh, sides that you can get. Yeah, I see, I don't know. I wouldn't know anything to comment on its underratedness, but I never had it growing up. Like, I mean, neither did I. I've only had it like made professionally. So like at restaurants or oh gotcha. Uh, I know that the at WVU whenever they have like the WVU catering do it, uh, like the event staff or whatever, uh, they would frequently do that as the side dish, and that was always very good. Yeah, it's it's great. I just it took me till college to even learn that that was like an option to like you can like pan sear them, you can roast them, you know whatever you can grill them. I That's think roasting good. vegetables is my favorite way to cook vegetables. Um, I think for like broccoli, absolutely. I think carrots. It's also oh yeah, definitely food. for carrots. Oh, that's that's far and above the best way to cook carrots. I think. Mm-hmm. And then I, don't know, I do appreciate a good like pan seared mushroom and zucchini stuff like that. Um, roasting green beans. I'm still, yeah. I'm still sort of on the fence. There's some versions of mushrooms I really like. Others, uh, like I'm, I'm more in the. I'm not as high on mushrooms as I think you are. Uh, I've, I've been moving. I think we've discussed this many a time. The the fried mushrooms at Almost Heaven were pretty much the first yeah. time that I actually was willing to even try them in another sense and so i'm still sort of slowly trekking in that direction so i'm not quite quite to where you're at with the mushrooms but yeah i mean i I was real big on them and then like a year or so ago it varies day to day now i don't know sometimes like the texture it just kind of sucks yeah but it's but sometimes it's also good like on top of a steak big fan like a portobello on a burger though you know that's more hit or miss in an omelet, probably not. Really depends on the type and uh, application of the mushroom. But yeah, so that's what we do on Valentine's Day. So nothing, nothing too big, but it was fun to get out there and grill. Um, and then you were saying before we started recording, you just built a, a purgatory. Yeah, no, uh, it's called a pergola. I'm fairly positive that's what it's called. I like. We it's we've suffered that Kate and I have just been calling it a pierogi for so long. I don't remember what it's actually called, but it's like for so long you built it today. Yeah, but okay, so it was here when we toured the house the first time, 
and then they had to take it down to do some like electrical work to get the house up to code and then so we've been we've been in communication with the landlord about building this thing for i don't know like a a month or whatever and so we've been referring to it as a pierogi but it's it's (laughs) i guess i should google it i'm fairly certain it's a pergola i've heard it enough today but it's just like all right four you got four corner uh boards like like well i don't we'll call it boards and then the top is like kind of cross hatched and then it has even finer cross hatching on top of it yeah, I just, I just looked up the, uh, I just looked, oh, so it's, it, I don't mean to be rude, considering you put forth the effort into building this, what's the fucking point of it if it has holes in the fucking roof of it? Uh, I think it just, like, it gives a little bit of shade, and, like, looks kind of nice, I don't, I don't know what the actual point is, I mean, we're gonna hang, like, plants and shit off of it, and, I just to I add a little... Sense. Add a little aesthetic to our deck, but no, it's not like uh, for rain waterproofing, rain deflection. Like I will say, it looks cool. It's very, it's very great for the aesthetic, but it doesn't. I that seems to be the only purpose it really serves. Yeah, I don't think there's a super practical application. Um, but it it just was here, and they wanted to build, you know, build it back. So that's what. And you're right. It is a pergola. It's P E R G O L A S. Yep. And it was it was fun. I gotta say though, like, to this is the first day that I've probably since I worked in engineering that I like spent the day doing stuff because this took like you know five or six hours, and it's on your feet like building stuff i I haven't realized how the toll like spending all my time in front of a computer took on me because we we finished probably around like i don't know like three or so and i came in i just took a nap i just felt like right asleep and i was like either i'm very old or i'm very like accustomed to my sedentary life which is not good uh it's definitely the sedentary life uh the i will say that moving no matter how good of I, I granted I've always been in bad shape, so I could be talking directly out of my hindquarters, but m- moving and like lifting and building stuff for multiple hours of the day is something that is just always going to be exhausting. Yeah, I, because like I mean, this was definitely more like manual labor than I ever used to do in in engineering. Like our field work there was just like. Well, set this up, run some tests, see if it works. And this was, hold this board over your head and then get up there. And I think we drove something like 400 nails. And there were three of us, so, like, it's not that much. But, you know, you can still, having it's having still not wielded a hammer in a while, yeah. But it, it was fun. Got to know the landlord. I guess they're both our landlords, technically. Um, a little better and just kind of have, have a little bit of social interaction, honestly, so... It was a good, it was a good day. That's nice. But, but that that is why we talked about this earlier, and I'll use this as a lead-in here. Is I didn't get to watch Judas and the Black Messiah because I was building this pergola, so which is a you- real, real shame. Because I will say that it was, I I need to consult my my records, but I believe it is probably one of the top five movies of the last year Ooh. is is how I would rate it. It's probably I mean, fair, I guess, but it's yeah. still top five. I, mean, I guess we'd have to look at the last, like, movies this last year have kind of been, all, like, not all over the I place, mean, but yes, few and far between. Like I, I mean, it is a disappointment that this is one where... It's it's one of the top five, but that's how it is with most of these. In in case you're wondering, I believe, and I'd have once again, I'd have to consult my records to be certain. I believe my top five would be, uh, Tenet, Mank, The Five Bloods, The Gentleman, and Judas and the Black Messiah. And the reason I'm including it in last year is because it is being included in the Oscar discussion. 
also included in the Oscar discussion, and the Oscar favorite uh, as of right now is uh, the movie we'll be previewing today, and the only movie we'll be previewing today, because nothing else is coming out this weekend, Nomadland. Yeah, and I, I believe we're also going to talk about the Britney documentary a little bit. The yes, I believe it's called New York, New York Times. Times Presents, and yeah. it's about Britney Spears. So that's uh that's all to come, or maybe now I don't I don't know, but I gotta ask a question. So you put the Five Bloods up there. I seem to remember us not thinking too hot of that movie. No, no, no. That came out. The problem was that it had a lot of potential that was wasted. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, because that's it the one where I was. Been, yeah, it could have been the best of the year, but also it was a it, we had a weak year. I mean, yeah. I I would say I enjoyed Palm Springs more, but it's not like that's not a top five movie artistically. That's just a movie that I enjoyed. Palm Springs right. was without is one of the funniest movies I've seen in like the last five years. So, it's just kind of different. Like it's it's just the way that I'm sort of judging this. Yeah, I forgot that is how we, we ended up deciding the, uh, the Five Bloods was. And I, uh, I stand by that assessment. I still... No, yeah, I... It was one of those things, like, I, I... If you think about it for a little bit, like, it's still a fun... I think this was the exact thing we decided. It was, like, it's a good movie. It just... I, I was mad at it at the time because I wanted it to be more. Yeah, I but wanted it, it to be fine. better. Oh, The Hunt also technically came out last year. Or no, yeah. The Hunt also technically came out last year. So I enjoyed that as well. So When are Oscars? Uh, they are April 25th, I believe. Anything released before March 20th is eligible. It's a whole month of deliberation. So are we going to do... The Oscar roundup, or whatever we called it, again? Yes. Yes, we are. Alright, nice. I, I love making predictions on shit I know nothing about. Although this well, year, this I one, feel like I'll this have... This year, you'll be a lot better prepared, because you, all of these are on streaming. Uh, or at least most of them are on streaming. And so you'll have something to, to point to. Because most of them are going to be on Netflix... Hulu, Amazon Prime, or HBO Max. No, actually, I'll actually have some input. Um, all right. Well, yeah. Do you want to do you want to talk about Britney a little bit? Because it is leave Britney alone. Chris Crocker, uh, right? I believe that. Yes, I'm. I'm <laughs> actually very impressed that you remembered who that guy was. I did not. <clears throat> oh my um, god, my uh. Who would have Who would have guessed that history? Would uh would loop around to basically redeem Chris Crocker. <laughs> I had a friend in uh, elementary school, middle school. Um, he uh, he was obsessed with Chris Chris Crocker. Chris Crocker. I don't I don't really know why, but uh. So yeah, I do, I have a, I've watched that video a million times. Um. Yeah, that's actually the end of the sentence. Slash story. I don't. I don't know if I've ever actually sat down and watched it beginning to end. He also had a like a shit. What do they call the thing on Tosh? A web redemption. I, that's one of the what, that's early the reason ones. I knew who he was. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so Chris Crocker is probably feeling very validated these days because uh, now the New York Times has come out with essentially the Leave Britney, Britney Alone documentary. And I don't know what, what's your take on it because I think I might have kind of a hot one, but oh, I want to get a comparison. I need to hear your hot. I need to hear your hot take first. All right, I'll I'll go first. So like it's called framing Britney Spears, and then it, at least I I didn't talk to a lot of people or look at a whole lot of the marketing for this thing, but from the from the little conversations i had or like what i knew of it i was expecting a documentary about how her father or her parents essentially manipulated her and just fucked with her head enough to 
to like cause her breakdown in order to secure her finances. And from the documentary, it seems like what really happened, and I'm not saying it's any less tragic, but she had this breakdown because of essentially the way America treats celebrities. And then her dad swooped in and has just been kind of being a dick about it since. And clearly, like, we can talk about this. Like, he's definitely paying some people off. But, like, it just doesn't seem like it was all that big of a conspiracy. It seems like probably a pretty normal thing to happen to a celebrity. Like, Uh, well... I, I suppose I don't understand what you mean that big of a conspiracy because it's been it's been going on for twelve years, thirteen years now, that she has basically been unable to control her own finance. Something they don't actually go into in the documentary is that she's not allowed to stay in like high quality hotels and she can't just order room service because she doesn't have access to her own money. So yeah. she she can't even order her own food is is something that she has to deal with. Yeah, and I guess maybe the documentary didn't go into a lot of the things about the uh, conservatorship or, like, how she is affected by it. But at, at the same time, I think from the documentary, she didn't bring this up in any legal fashion until 2019. Like, she didn't say, I want out of this in any avenue that mattered until 2019. Well, yes, but the question is, did she even think she had the legal, did she even think that she had the ability to do so? I mean, I, I don't know. And I agree with that one. uh, And based upon, based upon the, the, the current conservatorship system, as it's sort of presented in this documentary, she doesn't have the option to do anything about it. Like, she can try via her lawyers, but she doesn't even... She was deemed unable to to pay for her own counsel. Yeah, which... uh, That part really struck me. But uh, don't get me wrong. The conservator system, if this sheds light on that and how, like, shitty and fucked up it is, it, it is shedding light on that, that's great and i think that's the best thing to come out of this documentary but like i don't i don't know i was expecting more ab like targeted malicious events to happen to her like i i i understand what you're saying i think that this properly focuses on i don't think that they really understand that they're doing it but I think that the New York Times is actually indicting the entire media apparatus of the United States. I think they're trying to indict uh, the society, but I think that it more so indicts the media apparatus because the reason why she was being harassed to the point of a mental breakdown every day is because places like People Magazine we're paying a million dollars for a single photo of Britney Spears. Yeah, I, I, I found that kind of ironic in this documentary that most of the people they interviewed were contributing to this like celebrity hyperculture that's that's ruining people or not ruining people's lives. We know led to this at least for her, and then they they also sat there and were like, "Yeah, people just need to leave her alone." Especially the, the one paparazzi the guy. Paparazzo. <laughs> Fuck that He's guy. The dumbest cunt I've ever seen. He has no self awareness. He has no self respect. He is a garbage person, and it basically proves that anyone who engages as in being a paparazzi should should be sent to Guantanamo Bay because they are. Basically, only one tier above literal terrorists. Yeah, fuck. They fuck are that guy. They are scumbags of the highest order. Especially in his interview, and he's like, "Well, she just never indicated that she wanted to be left alone." And then the interviewer is like, "What about when she said, leave me alone?'" He's like, "Well, he surely meant for the day, like not forever." Fuck out of here. 
It's so stupid. Yeah, that guy was easily the worst. And then, so I, I do want to bring this up because, you know, I, I think it's a solid point. I don't necessarily think it's going to be like a, a groundbreaking or like a, a, you know, it's not going to make the whole problem go away. But the lawyer that she tried to retain, they interviewed him a little bit. And he made up a good point that was like, we don't know what we don't know. Yes. So it's possible that, you know, these, these documents that supposedly barred her from retaining her own counsel or, you know, what, whatever else happens behind the court doors, it's possible that there might be still a good reason for the conservatorship. That, to be I clear, just, that is not some. That's not something I'm especially. I'm not. Uh, there's a lot of people that are very resistant to that. I. I think the big issue is why the fuck is her dad? Why? How did? How is he able to swoop in and just become the fucking sole conservator when she has explicitly stated, "I want it to be literally anyone but him," yeah. and they're just like. No, we have to make it him. Like, I get that she's a crazy person, and she very clearly is a crazy person. Uh, she was... She she is a mentally broken human being, from what I understand. Uh, but... Like, you can't just do her the favor of having an, indi- an independent person take over her finances... Like, yeah, why, why was that something that took a decade to take care of? You're telling me that someone, you can't have someone that isn't financially incentivized to control her money? Can't, like, that, it's that fucking hard? Yeah, I, I don't know how her dad, because it's, it's, when did it, it went in place in... 2008, I believe. 2008, okay. Yeah, so I, I don't know what you know, the, the, the status quo was back then, I guess, for, like, family being part of conservatorships. I, like, I get why the dad would be, you know, like, a, a consideration, but as, as soon as she's, like, explicitly, literally anyone but my dad can do this, that's when it starts to get kind of sketchy, and I'm, if, if... Well, it's one of those things where, like, I understand, like, why you would think the parent is a reasonable choice. They know the person the best. They, they're familiar with it. But the issue becomes, if that person is openly adversarial to this individual being, being the one in control of the finances and the, and the person, then that that hinders the the effectiveness of the conservatorship yeah so like i i don't know why or how he was appointed first like i don't remember if she opposed it i i think i i understand how he's kept it for so long is because there's definitely some kind of either like we said earlier he's paying off lawyers oh yeah absolutely doctors and stuff because there's, it's either like, like we said earlier, or the guy said, you, we don't know what we don't know, which is valid. I don't particularly believe that. I, I think that's a, a kind of a long shot that there are. I mean, like it's, these... it's a fair point to make yeah. that we don't know. But also, the important point that they're making, she is working a full-time, she is working a full-time working schedule for a decade, and yet people think she's in incompetent and capable of taking care of herself yeah like the the november it was the november 29th decision where like she has proven for a decade that she is she is like you said she's working she's taking care of her kids she is proven i i don't think by like any any questionable standards that she is a capable person and then a court in California says no, and then won't even remove her dad from the conservatorship. Is just going to add another party. Uh, that that's when I saw that I was like, oh, he's definitely paying so many people off because that's that's insane. The and this is I will say that this is along the same lines as divorce proceedings in the such a ridiculously fucked up setup. 
that not only is Britney Spears paying for her counsel, she's paying for the counsel of the people she is opposing in court. Yeah. And that's and like I understand how why it's that way in divorce proceedings. Why the fuck is it that way in a conservatorship proceeding? I I guess there's no way to like bar the money or like make sure I, I, I suppose as soon as you bring a proceeding for conservatorship, you just freeze those assets. Except for the conservatee. Mm-hmm. See, I don't know I don't I don't know how that would work, realistically. But I agree, it is it's stupid. Like that's the any time that they're ever going to court, they're basically just setting more of her money on fire. Yeah. And and so like I like I said, I do think that this system needs attention needs brought and she probably deserves like uh, barring we don't know we don't know right she probably deserves to be out of this conservatorship and i think her dad i mean they didn't try to paint him in any other way than kind of like a sleazy dude so you know that's also it's very easy to see how someone like britney spears grew up with a shitty sleazy father yeah like I, I realized that it was very biased in how it presented him, but also, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, yeah, sometimes it's just a fucking duck. And then... Sometimes you just have to take the Occam's razor approach. Yeah. This dude seems like an asshole. He's probably an asshole. My my other problem with this documentary is like it, it, the New York Times produced it or FX produced it, New York Times did it, and aside from the lawyer she tried to retain, and then I guess kind of like whoever that lady was who went on tour with her, like her assistant from early early days, Brittany, mm-hmm. there wasn't anyone really that involved in, in what was actually happening. It was just a bunch of like reporters and and people who could speculate. So, so it, I I agree with that with two two exceptions. One, the fact that they were able to get that stupid fucking paparazzo was very beneficial to showing this sort of scum that she was dealing with on a daily basis. Yeah. Especially because he was the one that was ta- that took the picture of that she attacked. With the umbrella. Yeah. So I think that was that was very beneficial. Uh, and then what was... There was another one. Uh, shit, who was it? I, the, I, I, I'm blanking on who the... the there was... Because I thought... Oh, the uh, the podcast people. Because the, the ones that run that podcast. Because they got that free Britney movement rolling. So they were good for just sort of introducing how this start, how like the modern movement and why this be, even was a documentary. They they were beneficial in sort of explaining the internet trend that started this whole movement. I, I do, I, I forgot about the podcast people. This is a point that I, I, I want to talk about. I want to get your input on it here. Okay. We looked into this, uh, Britney's Graham or whatever their podcast is called, and I know, like talking about another podcast here is is insane because this is a nothing in the nether whatever podcast. So don't not trying to like. I I, I want to put it out here because some of this might seem aggressive. I'm not gonna like I'm not attacking them, but we did look into this and they have about 500 monthly listeners, I believe mm-hmm. is. So before all this happened, I mean, there was obviously like a Britney Spears following, but we're going to assume that number was a little less. It doesn't matter. Even if it's 500, you're telling me a paralegal from some, the, the conservatorship proceeding called their podcast. Like you have this information, you're a paralegal that worked on this and you know, someone's being screwed up or, or screwed over and you call this like random podcast that all they do is dive into Britney, Britney Spears Instagram to look for cryptic clues and then leave the vaguest voicemail. It, it, like, 
my, I guess my point is, I don't think that call was genuine. I think that was, like, one of their listeners who just got lucky with, like, spurring. Because there's no facts that came out of it. And he just, like, started oh, this no. movement. No, I don't. Like I said, I didn't. I, I want to be clear. I don't think that that was legitimate, that call. I was talking about how the Free Britney movement online started. Because yeah. I don't. I don't know if they. I don't think that they were the ones that technically started it. But as people who are literally running a, a podcast just about her Instagram, they are very good people to talk to about the movement itself. At least a timeline of it. Yeah, I just yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. I just I think the idea that this this paralegal called their podcast specifically to leave this voicemail That's insane. Is, yeah. Insane decision. If if it's true, that's even crazier. The only way I would accept that is if this guy was literally calling everyone. Because... Dude, you don't even realize the bullshit I just... I I just found out about the Britney Spears conservatorship case. Sir, this is a Domino's. Would you like to place (laughs) an order? Yeah, it, it essentially had to be that, or... It was one of, it, like, I, my suspicion it was one of their fans that was just like, maybe this will do something, and I guess it kind of did, so good good on you, but fucking Britney's grand. That's another, like, like, the lesson of this documentary is twofold. One, conservatorships are the absolute nonsense, and the law there needs to be uh, revised, like, heavily revised. And two, the American, like, worship culture of celebrities is extremely detrimental to the celebrities. And I like how, like, they kind of said that, and then we're like, but then we made this podcast that just dissects every one of her Instagram posts. Like, you don't, you're not learning from this. You're just doing it differently. Yeah, well, the the thing that needs to be realized is it's quite simple. Uh, human beings have a tendency towards religiosity and worship. And as we progress further away from, like, actual religions, like Christianity and Judaism, because atheism is becoming one of the largest belief systems in North America and Europe, uh, especially Western Europe, as that happens more and more, there's, there's now that gap that needs to be filled. And so a lot of people are sort of directing that towards celebrities, uh, sports figures. A lot of people are directing it towards politics, which is why things keep getting more and more uh, contentious in the political realm. But the, I think that that sort of explains why this is sort of going that, the direction that it is. It also yeah, yeah. explains. It also explains why more people seem mentally ill than ever before. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a good line by somebody in that documentary, and it kind of it made me realize. You know, it's kind of eye opening to me. But like she said, America, like we don't have royalty; we have celebrities, and that really put a good perspective in it because like people in England lose their goddamn mind over what's happening with the royal family, and well, we just have that. In with, the like, fucking states lose their mind. Yeah, over I guess the royal that's family. true, but. <laughs> We just have, we just I, have if I remember, I believe the exact phrase was whenever Meghan Markle got married to Harry, Prince Harry, someone someone put it perfectly, I thought we rebelled back in the 18th century, so I didn't have to give a shit about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, I, I, I don't know, I, do, I think it's fucked up. I haven't thought about it in the po- political you know, in terms of, of people getting more political because they're less religious, I think that's true, and I, it's terrifying. I mean, I'm not I, particularly religious myself. To be clear, it's myself, not because but. it's not dire- it's not explicit just because they're re- less religious. It's because they're filling that hole their religion had left with politics, which is not yeah. as as someone who spends far too much time following politics. It isn't healthy, and people shouldn't do it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's absolutely not healthy, but the, the, 
We don't need to dissect society's problems here. We, there's a lot of unhealthy stuff that happens. Um, and I don't think we're going to get away from it anytime soon. So on, Speaking on that of note, health, do we want to <laughs> check in on my keto diet? <laughs> I mean, is there any actual news? No, no. I okay. just thought that would be funny as sort of a throwback joke. You thought you managed to avoid this discussion, but here it is. The keto diet is back. Yep. Uh, although I will say that I'm going, I'm planning on ending it uh, around uh, Easter, and so when that episode rolls around, I'm going to ask you what I, what uh, dessert I should have first. So start thinking about that. Oh, I will. Because um, I I haven't had uh, like a sugary like dessert or really any dessert or almost any sugar in seven weeks now. And I've got seven more weeks until Easter. Also, happy Mardi Gras. Oh, uh, yeah. That was... Is that today? Yesterday? That's, to, that's today. It's Fat Tuesday, baby. Oh, shit. Yeah, it is. The, this, yeah. Well, I guess a few days ago, a year ago, I was in New Orleans and times were better. And now you're not even allowed to drink there anymore. It's absolutely <sighs> crazy. <commies. laughs> there, there, there were no rules when we were there. It was amazing. Just walk into a store, buy a that's, six of Bud Light, uh, go out in the, the street, That's the best part about it. Europe. That's the best part about Europe is that you can just yeah. walk around drinking. I I walked off the the train still holding a beer, and I looked at my professor while I was doing a study abroad. It's like, do I need to finish this and throw it? I was like, no, man, just bring it into the cab with you. It's like, you're fine. <laughs> I was like, this, is, this place is fucking awesome. Yeah. Open container laws are stupid. Yeah, let's, they are. Let's revise those while we're doing conservatorships. All right, we should, we should probably move on to uh, Judas and the Black Messiah here, which I did not get to watch. The pierogi uh, got in the this, way. This will just be sort of brief. So, uh, oh, okay. Well. The performances by the two lead actors, I'm not sure who's technically the lead and who's technically the supporting actor, uh, but I th- they were both very good. I thought Daniel Kaluuya... Uh, was stupendous. I think that he definitely deserves an Oscar nomination for his role. I thought he he just stole. He had the he had the charisma of someone that would be referred to as the Black Messiah back in the late nineteen sixties. Uh, okay. In the way that he was presenting and the way he was speaking, and I assume that the the writing really helped him with that, and sort of the directing. And cinematography really helped, but I think like he he really stole the show in a lot of different ways. Um, the the writing was the writing was good. It wasn't great, uh, as far as I could tell. The direction also good. Uh, none of the other performances really stood out that much. I mean, to an extent, the FBI officer who's. He's an actor who I've seen around a lot. He's he's very much a that guy. Like yeah, I've he was seen, uh, the dude from like Breaking Bad and yeah, uh, the, the end new... of the last season of Breaking Bad. Yeah, and then the Martin Scorsese one that I can't remember right now. The Irishman. Yeah, was he in yeah. that as well? Yeah, I believe so. But yeah, that's like he's he's very good. He he's a very compelling uh, FBI agent. Those are the three big performances. The direction was good. Uh, I'm not sure if it'll get nominated. In fact, I doubt it will. I think that there's probably some some better directing that's gone that's gone on in the last uh, in the last year. Um, I already covered writing. None of the actresses really stood out. In this one, I'm I'm just trying to go through the major categories. Uh, yeah, the like it was good movie. It was definitely it was something that really keeps you engaged for the full two hours. Uh, yes, it is a full two hour movie. I'm sorry that you're subjected to that. But uh, yeah, that's really the the only thing I have to say, especially since you didn't get a chance to watch it. So I guess I, w- I will ask, this this movie I agreed when we watched the trailer, I thought it was going to look good, but 
you know, it's not the type of movie that I really like, historical drama. Um, that being said, should I check it out anyway? I think what you is- should watch it. Uh, you, I'm honestly, I'm not sure if you'll like it. Uh, it, it's sort of on the fence of whether or not I think you'll enjoy it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, a little more commie propaganda than I would typically like, but that's, <laughs> that's about what you can expect. Yeah. Um, it, it's sort of, it sort of hit what we kind of expected it to. All right. Well, I think, I think, uh. I probably will end up watching it. Um, oh yeah! Do, by the I way, there's a there's a few a few Netflix movies we're gonna need to watch before the Oscars season that are expected to do pretty well. Do you know what they are off the top of your head right now? Yeah, it's uh, Trial of the Chicago Seven, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom are the two that come immediately to mind. Because they, I checked the betting odds for the Oscars, and because I thought Judas and the Black Messiah would be pretty high, turns out Nomadland is the favorite, and then it's Trial of the Chicago Seven, then Mank, and then uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom are the are the top four in the betting odds. Well, I have not even heard of those two, uh, but I have heard of Nomad Nomadland. Yep, so let's, is... that's a great way to trans, transition into Nomadland. Would you like to give your rundown of the trailer? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can try. Um, for the trailer I've seen, I don't know how many there are. There's just one that cycles on Hulu all the time. It doesn't really give off or give up a whole lot about what the movie's about. Uh, it seems to be centered around this woman who is a nomad, aka, like, she lives out of her van and travels wherever she wants whenever um and that's kind of all i've gotten from what i've seen yeah it's it's kind of it's not very clear on the exact like the what's pushing the plot forward it seems like she's just trying to travel to see people around the country and get to know people around the country and as that goes, it, 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 she just sort of, there's a lot of little stories that she encounters along the way where she meets people and sort of uh, works with them, learns about them, sort of develops a relationship with them is, is how, it, how it seems to be what happens. Um, I'm not entirely sure why it has so much hype going into it. Granted, the people who have that hype for it are a lot of critics that have already seen it. So I'm not... So maybe they they just know something I don't. But I'm very curious to see what all the hype is about this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for it, for sure. I think just because... And th- this is Searchlight, again, which I really like that studio. Um... And then I don't know. It just has like that feel to it of a of a a, a movie that I, I think I'd really like. It kind of resembles like the great American novel. It, like you travel the country, take little bits of pieces of stories. There's actually there's a game that came out uh, last year, two years ago. I don't remember. It's called Where the Water Tastes Like Wine, and you kind of just play as this like dude who travels around and it's all like a text-based well not all text-based but most of it is you read it and you just get stories from these little the, the people you meet around the american southwest and it, it that game was overwhelmingly positive reviews for that so I don't, I don't know maybe this is just the kind of thing people are, are looking forward to these days is just well, hold on let's let's get off to a separate a uh, mostly text-based game I, I this is more of a personal preference. I don't understand the appeal of that at all. I I just don't. Okay, so let me. I'll I'll, I'll describe it a little better, but I'll try to do it briefly. You like, uh, you remember how like in old, uh, JRPGs you'd be like bigger than the map, but then your encounters would be like back down to life size. If if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's 
that's fine. But you essentially like walk around as this dude, the American Southwest, just stopping in towns, talking to people, getting their story. So there are there's like art and, and you know like, but there's no dialogue. I think it's just you, or maybe no, actually I lied. There is dialogue, but it's just these people like kind of telling you stories everywhere you stop. And I believe I haven't played it, so I I could be butchering the description. But that's so so not mostly text based. It's not like. You type in your answers or whatever. There's still some some interaction. Well, this this seems a lot like the like Minecraft where it's there doesn't seem to be a real goal to it. And granted, like like you said, you you haven't you haven't played it, so you don't know. But it's it just doesn't. Yeah, seem I mean, like I don't. This sort of it doesn't seem like the sort of thing that would appeal to me. Because if I if I wanted to just hear some stories, or I I'd actually just go read a fucking book. <laughs> Like, I've got plenty on my shelf that I should be reading instead of playing a fucking video game to begin with. So, uh, that having been said, I'm currently playing uh, Tomb Raider 2013, and it's awesome. Would definitely Oh, yeah, it's a good one. I have played that one. I have the the next one. A lot of Uncharted vibes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. It's I, I really enjoyed that. I think I've heard the whole franchise is good. Um, well, they've, I, they've all progressively been released as free-to-play because uh, there's that monthly free thing through PlayStation Network, and so they've each progressively gotten released for in the last year and a half, two years, and so I now have all three. The So it's Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm yeah. probably going to go through those because God forbid I actually study for my professional exam that I'm supposed <laughs> to be studying for. Yeah, I got a little ways into Rise and then I, I think I played them like two back to back and it's very similar. I mean, it's yeah, still good. Yeah, I think that like that's it's... probably, I'm going to probably switch away from it after I finish the first, the first one and do something else. But yeah, it's really well done, and they managed to capture that good like middle ground of Tomb Raider of being like a really cool grounded adventure game, and then also have like mystic stuff going on. Yeah, which is which is where Tomb Raider really excels. Um, I I really like it's I really like the structure of it. It's kind of like the Darksiders story, the setup, and it's one that I feel like there's not as many of nowadays as there used to be. Where you unlock different uh, different gear or skills throughout the game, that then you have to go back and like find new areas that yeah. you can explore. Uh, I I just find that very an interesting approach and like more fun than it like the just sort of hack and slash and proceed forward. And it's it's also a nice change of pace because I typically go with the open world games uh, as my favorite, like the yeah the Rockstar games, the the Bethesda games, um, even the new God of War. That one was that one was excellent, but it's also very open world, lots of side quests, stuff like that. Oh, I didn't realize that was so open world. Yeah, God of War twenty eighteen. I'm. I don't know. I don't think you have a PlayStation, do you? No. Uh, if you can find like an emulator online, uh, I would definitely recommend doing the God of War, uh, twenty eighteen. It's, it's it's a big time investment, but it's a great game. I've only heard good things about the franchise. On on this note, before we we close up here, I will also say if you like the Tomb Raider games and you haven't played it yet. Jedi Fallen Order. I just I've been playing through that. Great I game. it's I also own that. I uh, during uh Black Friday there was like a bunch of deals and so now I have like a dozen new games that I I I haven't even had time to get through all the games that I already need to get through cuz like I backstocked on like uh all three Mass Effect games cuz I've never played them before. Like just so much stuff and then I, I've basically inundated myself with so much media that I could win the lottery and just sit at home and go through all the <laughs> movies, video games, and books that I have, and it would still take me, it would probably take me a, f- a full calendar year to get through all the shit that I have oh, without, yeah. 
without a uh, without a full time job. Damn, that's got to make some progress on that. I I really do because I'm also in the bad habit of still buying more shit. It's, it's how they get you. I mean, I I go through all my stuff is on computer, so I go through Steam and everything. Oh. Like I I have a backlog of stuff I need to play, but when they, they do sales all the goddamn time. So when there's a $60 game available for like 10 or 15 bucks, you're like, well, I got to pick it up because I wanted it anyway. Yeah. And then it just sits around and... Yeah, well, it's it's a lot more noticeable when you get the physical disc, too. Yeah, that's true. Or, the, or <laughs> especially the physical book, like I have. Yeah. But it's also bad because the games I like are the ones that it's not like a 10 or 15 hour investment. It's a 50 to 100 hour investment in order to beat it. And so that, like, Skyrim or Red Dead Redemption or Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. But anyway, back to Nomadland. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think that it's probably ready for the red carpet. I think that it's, it's going to be good. I don't understand why people have it so highly rated, but I still think, like, think that it looks like it's going to be a pretty good movie. Because it seems like it seems like a very much a character study, which I think is is up my alley. Because I think that the depth of a character is really how you get me to buy into the movie. Yeah, I I agree with all that. Uh, last thing I will say is you mentioned I think this was before we started recording that you're surprised I was excited for this one, but not the land. And I think that this is going to be very similar to the land but I, i'm more excited about it because instead of like diving into like maybe romance or drama or whatever being like a very predictable story this might just be it, it might honestly be kind of flat because i don't see a whole lot happening like i don't see a big conflict in this i think it's just going to be a story that you watch and enjoy but to me that Maybe the, a little bit more flatness is why I like it better than the land. Oh, by the way, I did see land. Uh, it was it was fine. Uh, it's worth a watch a single time. Very predictable plot, but Robin Wright did a great job as the as the main character. Uh, uh, is it just land? It's not the land. It's just land. L A N D. Yep. Uh, but yeah, uh, I th- what did you think of the Britney documentary? I realized that we didn't actually give it a, a rating. I don't know. I honestly, I th- I think it was kind of poopy. On uh, honestly, as far as documentaries go, it wasn't it wasn't great. Had a lot of filler, especially for a seventy five minute documentary. I think yeah. that I put it in trailer trash. Yeah, that could have been agree. that could have been a thirty minute a twenty five to thirty minute documentary easy. They just really spent time on things they didn't need to, and. Especially, like, if the goal of it is... To, what their goals were versus how, like, they made it out to, to seem... I, I don't know. I just... I think it definitely could have been done better. Or, yes, much shorter. So, yeah, uh, okay. I agree. Trailer so Trash. that's Trailer Trash. Judas and the Black Messiah is ready for the red carpet. Nomadland, we're expecting to be ready for the red carpet. I don't have any plugs. Uh, do you have any plugs? Uh, not yet, but almost. We'll almost have some plugs, hopefully, in the next couple weeks. Best um, of luck. I'm rooting for you, my man. Yeah, thanks. But, uh, yeah, so this has been uh, Red Carpet Trailer Trash. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Until next time? Bye.